Before Regina gets up to read God's Word, let me just introduce to you uh, the preacher for this morning, Joe Tofigi. Uh, Joe and Yvonne Tofigis are missionaries that we have been supporting as a church for over 18 years from the very beginning uh, of sending them off uh, to Turkey for where they spent, I think, over 16 years ministering to Iranians uh, who were fleeing Iran and seeing people come to faith. I remember getting um, their, their updates and say, they were saying people are com- Iranians coming to faith nearly every week because they are starving for God's truth, for real truth. Uh, and so we are so thankful for the, for the Tofigis. Joe and Yvonne have been married for 21 years. Uh, they have eight wonderful children. Uh, so glad for their family uh, and so glad for Joe's heart for, for missions, his heart for the gospel. Uh, and Joe and Yvonne are dear to this church family. So many of you know that Yvonne is the daughter of uh, Dr. George Harton uh, and uh, George and Ellen. And so we're thankful for, for Yvonne growing up here in this church, hearing the good news here, discipled here. Uh, Joe, we are so thankful for you uh, and for you, Yvonne, and for every one of you children that are in here. I know some are in the children's church, uh, but we love your family so very much. And we are so thankful to be partners with you in the gospel. Regina, come up and share God's word. And then after that, would you welcome uh, Brother Joe Tofigi as he shares. Good morning, church. I am autoimmune, so this is my third week back in the sanctuary. And I can tell you, I was begging my doctor for weeks and weeks. So it is my pleasure to read God's word to you today. We have, we have pew Bibles back. Woohoo! So if you want to find the scripture, it's on page 811, and I'll be reading Matthew 6, 19 through 24. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body is healthy and full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then the light in you is darkness. How great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, church. It's wonderful to be here. God is amazing. And so are all of you. Praise God for the body of Christ. Obviously, uh, we are talking about disciples and discipleship making. And I want to focus uh, pictures of discipleship making, and that's, that's clue, key because it's, all of our, it's what should be part of our lives, knowing that what God has given us is a wonderful privilege and an amazing responsibility that needs to be passed on to the people around us. We have something that is so valuable and so amazing. We call it our greatest treasures. And when you think about it, the treasure that God has given us is so beyond compare, so unbelievably indescribable that the whole world needs it, not just us, obviously. 
So we need to continue to be aware of how God wants to use us in the lives of the people around us for his glory. Amen? Well, talking about treasures, and when you think about treasures, maybe as you think about the word treasure, different things might come to your mind. For example, you might think of an amazing pirate treasure that got buried somewhere, or you might think of a beautiful ring, diamond ring, or other jewelry that's very precious, or even a family heirloom that's been passed down from generation to generation within your family. And not only is it valuable because of its price, it's priceless because of its sentimental value of how it's been part of your family for so many generations. And all of those are treasures. And that's maybe something like that comes to your mind when you think of the word treasure or maybe other things. And it's okay. We're going to try to talk about what the Bible really focuses in on when it talks about some of the greatest treasures and how we can keep allowing our mind to be kind of moved towards where the Bible wants it to be. Uh, But in all cases, when you think about it, it's funny because some of the greatest treasures we have, we see day in and day out, and we see them so much, sometimes we forget that they are our greatest treasures. That God has blessed us so immensely with our family. And I've made this mistake in the past because you can see them so much. You start forgetting. You start taking them for granted. Please don't ever do that. Some of the greatest treasures God has ever given us are our very family members. I have an amazing wife, Yvonne. Eight amazing children that God uniquely gifted and created and wired that they all are special and they're all very important and they are all some of my greatest treasures. Our daughter Jenna has graduated from high school and she's off to the university college, Messiah University, and we are so proud of her and how God has grown her into an amazing young lady of Jesus Christ. That is where it's really special. When you see your children grow up and take on the traits of our amazing Lord and Savior. God is so good. We, we can't, but he can. Amen? It's him. And we're just grateful to be a little part of what he does. <laughs> so. Thank you, family. Beyond that, we have many other treasures. And I want to focus in on the treasures that Jesus thinks about when he thinks about treasure. I want to try to get into the mind of our Savior because that's the mind we're supposed to have. We're supposed to be conformed to his image. Amen? So the more we can understand what Jesus was saying in the Word, in the Bible, the more we can understand how we can allow our mind to gravitate, our hearts to gravitate to what should be some of our greatest treasures. In this passage, in Matthew 6, which was read so wonderfully by Regina, we take a look at how God just said, uh, first of all, he talks about two types of treasures. He talks about treasures on earth 
And he talks about treasures on heaven, in heaven. So we'll talk about worldly treasures. We'll talk about heavenly treasures. Two different kinds. Now, the neat thing about the one, when you look at them, the ones that are on earth that will pass away, that will fade, that you can't keep, that sometimes are taken from you by robbers, there's treasures like that. And we know all about that, wealth, power, stuff like that. That's, there's a lot of those things out there that attract our hearts. But then there's other types of treasures around us that are that where neither moth or nor rust can destroy and where thieves can't break in and steal, they can never be taken from us. They will always be ours. They can't be destroyed. These are great treasures. Amen? We want to try to understand those better. But our first point is that our greatest treasures, they last forever. Forever. They can never be taken away. They can never be destroyed. This is the first thing we got to realize. This is an amazing family. Brother Samuel, he, he, he lives close to Iran in a bordering country just outside of Iran. And the way I got to know him is a pretty amazing story. I got to hear about a, I got to the U.S. when we came September, what, 3rd of 2019, as we were coming off the field from furlough, we were coming for furlough, but knowing we weren't going back to Turkey, trying to figure out what God has in store for us. And during that time, I was like, well, what do you want me to do, God? And he, he showed me that in this area, there's a bunch of Persian Iranian churches. They're kind of not together. They kind of don't talk to each other well. They, they don't have a good relationship with each other. And that made me sad. So I said, well, what can we do here? So I started getting, if possible, I started talking to the different leaders of the various churches and said, let's get together for prayer. Let's, let's kind of have a prayer day every once a month and just meet with each other and see what God wants to do with that. And God started bringing about 10 to 12 people together right about that time COVID also hit and and it worked because it made it easier God actually used COVID for this because they were like well if we got to meet some of us are from Virginia some of us are from uh, over here in Maryland DC all like this whole region and it'd be hard to kind of get together well when COVID hit we said why don't we do Zoom we don't have to get together. We can do it over the internet. We don't have to find a place. We got a chat room. <laughs> so they all said, okay. They couldn't say no to prayer. It's hard to do that, especially when you're a church leader, praise God. So, so they got together. We started talking. We started praying. And, and God does his thing in prayer. That's what he does. And we started seeing the community develop more relationships between each other. And and in through that ministry, and it's still going, and it's still going to keep going when we go to Ecuador, God's trained another person that's going to take the facilitation of it over. But in all cases, we are just seeing how God used it because even then, one of the leaders from Virginia, church leader, an Iranian church leader who's having a congregation out there, he talked to me about this guy named Samuel out near Iran who really needs some encouragement. So I started talking with Samuel over the internet, started doing some mentoring with him. He's already a, 
he, he's been forced into being a pastor just because of what God did in his life and there's nobody else out there. He got saved and after he got saved, he found that Jesus was his most valuable treasure. He just held on to Jesus after he learned how Jesus died for his sins. After three days, Jesus rose again to pay the price to defeat sin, to defeat Satan and death. And he has given him everything. And now he says, I want to give you everything, Jesus. You are worthy. And even though he lives in a very tough area, he started sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Iranians started coming to Christ. He, he grew to about 30 to 40 to 50 to 60 people. It's just amazing. In an area that doesn't have a Farsi-speaking church that's official. And so uh, after that, he was just being overwhelmed because then COVID hit. And he, he had, they had to kind of just do it over the internet. He started seeing people fall away. His heart was grieving. And he was... It's just a tough position, but to praise God, we've been able to talk together. I've been able to encourage him. We've been going through more of the word of God. He's been growing. He's so excited. He, he had several people come from Iran and talk to him three months ago, three months ago, and they said, listen, we don't want anything to happen to your family. You need to stop doing this and it was a clear threat and he was like listen this started a couple years ago you didn't say anything back then how can i stop it now i can't i got to trust god in all this and he continued doing it in the face of that even though he has a daughter and a wife because he knows god is the most important thing and they're all ready ready to pay the price because god is worth everything in their lives that is treasure that is real and these guys get it and right now we're seeing god just do an amazing work they have 30 or so more people who are ready to be baptized and they're going to be leaving that area to go to a safer place called the Ukraine. I don't want to mention where they are. So that they can have a Bible conference and baptisms. So be praying for them and be praying for what God is doing. And be praying for one of the first Farsi, true Farsi speaking churches that's official kind of out in the open in the area that he's in. It's phenomenal what God is doing. So praise God for who he is and the treasure that he is. Amen? Well, in that passage, it goes on to say something at the very end of Matthew 6, 19 through 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus knows that we're very captivated. Our hearts get drawn. Our minds get drawn to things. It's almost hard for us to kind of control it. I don't know how to explain it. To kind of, to keep it, to keep it, what's the word? Properly focused at times. That's why we mess up. That's why we do sin. That's why we go to places we shouldn't. But it's also why we do great things for God. It's also why we get captivated for the truth and the love. It's the good and bad. <laughs> we have them both. We need to be able to train the mind, the heart, 
to go towards those things that are good for it. Amen? And God wants to do that. And Jesus says, where your heart is, he says, for where your treasure is, I mean, where you, the things that you value deep down, that's where you're going to spend your time. That's where you're going to put your heart. The things that you can know what you truly value by looking at your life and seeing how you spend your life. Amen? And if, and if it's with the things that really matter, that's good. If it's with those things that are never going to remain, that's not so good. You got to notice where is your heart? Where are you? Evaluate, train, focus. Help God, the Holy Spirit that's in us, to get us into that right spot. Amen? So with all that, it's, it's, it's kind of what happens. It's what happened in Samuel's life. He got so captivated by Christ that he can stand and be willing to lose his life because his heart is with Christ. Hopefully our hearts are with Christ too truly with him beyond that it's also why it's it's we spent 15 to 16 15 years in turkey to 16 years and there was a lot of good stuff and there was a lot of hard stuff it was a crazy ride a good ride worth it but i also saw like, especially some of my family members have to go through some of the hardest things because of the isolation and the different things like that. Now, praise God, they have stored up things in heaven because of what they endured. Praise God, there are ways that God is going to overly bless what, God, what happened out there because he redeems. He's the redeemer. That's what he does. And praise God for the ministry that God grew out there. Like Pastor Mark was saying, people would come to Christ almost every week. And we saw so many get discipled and so many became teachers and preachers and servants of the Lord in so many different ways. And then were spread around the world to do what he wanted. We were working with so many different refugees from Iran. It was a phenomenal thing to watch. And as you do all that and you see them sent out, and you see them doing things all around the world, and you just see God at work in so many powerful and wonderful ways, your heart gets excited about that. And that's how your heart kind of gets captivated and can be saying, hey, God, do your thing and do your great thing. And then you, you kind of, your heart to a level stays with things like that. I still think strongly about the people back in Turkey and all the people that got saved and grew and is still growing. And so it's just, I can see why Samuel wants to stay where he is because that's where he's seeing God at work. I can see why my heart still thinks about Turkey at times and what God did there and how he's still working and doing great things, building his church. Your heart needs to be captivated by the right things. And this is Mosen and Mina. And we've talked about them before, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. But he got saved through that ministry in Turkey. He grew to be a pastor there for a while in the church in Nevshahir. And then his heart got captivated. And it went, he went back to Turkey because 
once he became a citizen of Canada, to do long-term missions because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It just happens. So put your treasures, make your treasures the right treasures. Let's talk about that some more. So as I talked about even for the farewell to Turkey, we still have times where I'll think about that. And I am glad that God has got us on a new track with a new thing. But I still feel so strongly for all the people that are there going through some of the crazy difficulties that they are going through. When you've been in a place for 15 to 16 years and you've seen God change people from uh, not knowing Christ at all to so loving Christ and doing powerful things for his glory, you you don't want to forget that. That's awesome. So praise God for what he's doing. But it is hard when you hear about how hard it is for them out there and what they have to go through as refugees. Be praying for those people and be praying for those churches. But we get back to this, uh, Matthew 19, 20, uh, 19 through 21, and we see one more important thing outside of the fact that our treasures last forever. It talks about do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. It says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You can actually right now, today, store treasures in heaven. He's talking to living people, and he's saying, store in heaven right now. Don't wait. Today is the day to store your greatest treasures in heaven. Obviously, Jesus, being one of those treasures, is already there. You've stored him. He's yours forever, amen? If you believed in Jesus Christ with all your heart and your mind, if you've come to him, he is yours forever. That's one treasure you've already stored. But let's, let's talk about some more. The fact that they get st- stored in heaven, what are, what are we storing there? What is it? There's a verse that if you had kept going in that little passage, if you kept going to 624, we read it today, Regina read it, It says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Well, that verse is in that section, and so it's related. But we also find that same verse in Luke 16, 13, which says the exact same thing. So these two passages must have a connection. Otherwise, why would that exact same verse be there and there? Well, let's take a look at what Luke 16 has to say. All the stuff before it leads up to this. It starts in 16, uh, well, it's 1 through 9, but we're going to read slowly as we go through. He also said to the disciples, there was a rich man. Let me do it this, yeah, okay. He also said that there was a rich man who had a manager And charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. So there was this steward. And he he was taking care of the manager's money. uh, And he was doing it in a way that was not good. And the manager found out. So now the manager is unhappy and he's going to deal with him. He said, Show me an accounting 
And I want to know exactly how bad you've done. And then I'm saying, you can no longer do it. So the guy already knows he's on his way out. He knows he's been doing a bad job. He's been probably pilfering some of the money, putting it in his pocket, whatever. But we don't get the exact story. But we know it was bad. And then we know that he starts thinking to himself. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I'm, not ash- I'm too ashamed to beg. So, so I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their homes, into their houses. So he's trying to figure out what he's going to do, okay? From there, he summons his master's debtors one by one, and he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Just do that. Hurry it up fast. Okay? Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? And he said, 100 measures of wheat. And he said to him, oh, take your bill and just write 80. It'll be okay. Just write it fast. Okay? So is what he's doing good? No. He's clearly cheating his master, doing a bad thing. He's trying to make a way that these people, when he gets kicked out of his job, they'll say, will you help me? So I'll help you now. He's trying to do that. He say, maybe they'll even invite me into their home. They'll give me a job. They'll do something for me. I got to be wise, right? That's what he's thinking. So then Jesus goes from there and he says something that is wacko. <laughs> okay. Try to put yourself in this situation. You just did a bad thing to your boss and it's bad. He know you've cheated him out of a lot of money. Now the boss has found out, and you're expecting as an audience, you're listening to Jesus' parable now back then, you're expecting the boss to say, draw, you are in so much trouble. You're done. But what does Jesus say? The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. He commended him. Like he said, good job. Oh, wow. (laughs) Is that wacko? Can you think of any boss... Who would do that? Great job. You just stole $80,000 from me. I'm so proud of you. That's fantastic, man. Keep it up. <laughs> no, you'd be going to jail, most likely. So, so this is not something the crowd is expecting. And why would Jesus even say this? It's kind of like a teacher's trick. And Jesus is a master teacher. He's the best. He's God. So, so he's kind of like saying, it's like, you're going along in a story. You kind of know what's going to happen. Everything's going to happen the way you expect. And that's the way it goes. And all of a sudden you hit something that makes no sense. It's just like out there in left field. Well, what do you do when that happens? You really start listening. You're, it's like totally, what? what? Did I hear him right? Like you really focus. Your whole mind starts coming in. You're trying to, he didn't say that, did he? And then once he's got you, he's got your attention, then he says, the key. The key is coming right now in the next two, two, two um, uh, verses. First of all, he says another weird thing. <laughs> so he goes on to say, he breaks it down. Well, let me read the whole thing. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in, de- oh, I can read it from there, are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, 
so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Well, look at these verses. He breaks it down into two groups, sons of this world and the sons of light. It's very obvious, these two groups, believers and unbelievers, okay? The ones who are of the world that are still perishing, the ones who are going, well, who are sadly not going to be with God, and the ones that are of the light that have found God and get to go be with God, all right? So there's two groups. But then he says a kind of strange thing. The sons of the world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Now, when you think about that, it makes sense. Hopefully. I'm hoping it does. Because if you're part of the world and your, your importance is this world, it's not really God, well, then where's most of your interest and your heart going to take you? To things like money, power, wealth. And you're going to spend a lot of your time figuring out how to get it, how to do that. That's going to be a main, main focus of your life. So you're going to probably get good at doing it. Do you know what I'm saying? And in fact, a lot of people, sadly, who are part of the world, not all of them, but a lot of them, they don't care how they get it. They just want to get it. So they'll use whatever means at their disposal, good or bad, to get it. So they'll be more shrewd in that sense, hopefully, than the sons of light who don't place that high of an importance on those types of things. Does that make sense? Amen. So Jesus explains all that, but then he also talks about something. He gives, he gives a huge charge to the sons of light now. He starts telling the sons of light, and I tell you, well, anybody who's in his audience, but he's focusing on people who are sons of light, to think about how they train their mind. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, because it will, it won't last forever, the worldly wealth won't last forever, when it goes away, when it fades, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Who are the they? The friends that you made because you decided they were important. Your wealth wasn't more important. You spent your time. You spent your money. You spent the things that God had blessed you with to bless them. In the hope that one, their life will get better. But two, hopefully they'll get to know God. Hopefully they'll get to know Jesus Christ. And then one day... Everybody eventually, sadly, has to die, right? But when we die, praise God, if we're a believer, we get to go forever to God. Well, some of the people you might have blessed and believed in Jesus Christ because of the blessings that you did in your life may have died before you. And then when you die, you get to go to heaven and they come and they meet you and they greet you and they welcome you and they say, come into these eternal homes because of what you did in my life. I am here right now. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for being a blessing in my life. How do we kind of know this is what Jesus meant? Because what he said the other guy did. Look at what the other guy did. 
I just, he decided, the unrighteous steward decided what to do. He said, I'm going to, uh, so that I'm going to do things so that when people, when I get out of this job, people may invite me into their houses. Well, we as believers should bless the people around us with the hope that they do come to Christ. We should love them anyway because they're creations of God. But we hope and pray that God gives them the same wonderful things they've given us. And then one day they will say to us, thank you because you did love us. Thank you because you did the things you did in my life. I am now here in heaven today. That is a treasure. One that we store forever. The people get to go be in heaven and we will have them forever. These are our greatest treasures as well. Amen? It goes on to say, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful. This is in Luke, continuing on. One who is faithful, before verse uh, 13. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then, you have not been faithful in this unrighteous wealth, with the things that you have gotten in this life that's going to fade away, that isn't important, that won't last forever, if you haven't even been faithful with that, who will entrust to you the true treasures, the true riches, people, their souls. Who would entrust that to you if you can't handle money wisely? If you can't do what's right with money and things that's going to fade away? God wants you to bless the people around you. He wants to let you be a part of their lives. But are we noticing? Are we caring? Are we truly empathetic to the fact that there's so many people around us that don't get to go to heaven and don't get to be with God because their lives are set on a course of destruction. Do we care? These are treasures. The person that God lets you meet at that supermarket is a treasure you can store forever. The person you get to help during Grace Gives could be a person that you store, that you get to have forever. Eternity. Don't lose the opportunities that God is placing in your life to store true treasures. Amen? If you have been faithful in that which is another, if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is not your own? That w- who will give you that which is your own? God wants to give these things to you because he wants you to have them forever. But where are we? This is the church of Nefshi here. This is a church that grew to be 120 on a Sunday. Uh, and that was during time that they would come and change over every five years. So you can keep increasing that amount because it would change. There'd be another group, another group, another group. <laughs> so God was changing lives. And one day I'm going to get to be with so many. I'm sure not, sadly, not all of them have accepted Christ. 
in reality. But I'm going to get to be with so many of them in heaven for all eternity one day because of what God did, because of his work. Be thinking about how God wants to use us. We got to see churches grow. We got to see three churches planted after Ankara Church. Then we went to Nevshi here. Then we saw Nida. Then we saw Antalya. And we saw lots of other powerful things that God was doing out there. But then God said, the time here is finished for me and my family. And it was like, okay, well, what are we doing next? Well, I'm not telling you yet. You just go finish this work well. Focus here. Get this done. Go back, and gradually you'll find out. It's like, okay, <laughs> I'd like to know what I'm doing, but I got to just follow him. Amen? My greatest treasure. So from there, God took us back. We got to see how God, one was that uh, Iranian, um, the church leaders got to see how that became a thing, how God's using that. Then God started connecting me over the internet with other Iranians. Got to see people out in Mexico, Bolivia, Ecuador, and Iran. Just seeing how God is getting me connected with all these different Iranians that are growing, finding Christ, getting to learn about him. Seeing them just, yeah, it's just phenomenal what God is doing. There's a, there's a guy now from this, what we started in Ecuador from a little small group. He eventually went back to Iran. His, na his name is Mordazo. I can say that because there's hundreds of thousands of Mordazos in Iran. But he went back to Iran and he really wants to see God build a house church there where he is in his city. So things like that have not happened the whole time I was back in Turkey. And I haven't even gotten to Ecuador yet. And we're already seeing people from Ecuador go back to Iran and want to see churches built there. I was in Turkey for 15 to 16 years and still nothing like that. Nobody wanted to go back to Iran. They're never Iran, no way. <laughs> so they never did. Like hard, there's like five total people who went back to Iran and they didn't even want to have keep connections because they're like, we got to be very, very, very careful. <laughs> so this is already amazing stuff that God is doing. Beyond that, I want to show you one more thing, and it's about the crown, so you can just see the connection, and it's not confusing. Hence, therefore, is laid up for me. The, this is in 2 Timothy 4.8. Henceforth, there is laid up for me, this is Paul, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but all, to all who have loved his appearing. Paul starts talking about crowns, and crowns are rewards, things that you're going to receive, right, from God. One day. Well, when you keep going, bless, there's another, here's another crown reward. Blessed is the man who will remain steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test of life, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Then Paul goes on to say in 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20, for what is our hope or joy or crown? Paul says the word crown there of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming. Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. You are our reward. It's also a reward that's stored forever. 
He says it again in another spot. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love, this is in Philippians 4.1, who, who I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Our rewards, our crowns are each other. When I pour into your life, I keep that forever. When you pour into my life, you keep that forever. It can never go away. It can never fade. It can never be destroyed. It's so big. People are our greatest treasures other than Jesus, the Bible, things that are forever. People are forever. Amen? Don't forget it. Our greatest treasures last forever, get stored in heaven, and the final point, which we'll hit very fast, ultimately belong to him. They ultimately belong to him. God. See this scene in Revelation 4, 10 through 11. The 20, this is John. He's in the throne room of God. He's just being awed by what's happening. The 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne. They worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. In the end, they're not really ours. Whose are they? God's. He's the one we throw our crowns at the feet. You will throw me, I will throw you, we will throw each other because God deserves it. He gets all the glory. Not us. But we get to share in that wealth. We get to be a part of each other's lives. Amen? Take it seriously. It's eternal. It's forever. The things you do today touch eternity. It could be for good or bad. Don't let it be for bad. Amen? God is so good. He's always good. We came back not knowing what we're going to do. He got me involved with the, the one little group of church leaders uh, for this area. Then he got me involved on the internet. And then he started saying... There's a group out in Ecuador that does, that's starting to grow, that doesn't have a church, that hasn't gathered yet Iranians, and they need to start a church. And so that kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger in our heads, our hearts, and God kept confirming it in so many different ways to the point that right now God found a place for us to be. Uh, it's only $700 a month. Praise God. We get a house. We get to be there. We get to serve there. We're gonna, I'm going to be going over June 7th uh, just to kind of get things started, then coming back, and we'll go again August 22nd. Hopefully, if our visas have come together, because there's so many weird documents and COVID is nuts, and they're saying it's all delayed, and we're sorry, and so be it. So, so pray that our documents get here. They still, from March 23rd, they still haven't come, but it just takes time. So, so pray for all that to work out. But that's where we're going. Ecuador, Quito, Lord willing. It seems all confirmed. Everything's come together. Our new teammates, John and Rhonda Lennon, amazing people. They were, mm, they were part of ABWE 
for like 20 plus years, they did, what is it called? Care, member care for like 40 different people in ABWE out there in Ecuador. They're good at member care, praise God. We need that. <laughs> My family's got me. We're definitely going to need it. So, so with all that, we're just grateful for what God has done to set that all up. And this is the goal. It's found in Psalm 86, 9. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. All nations worship before you. Amen? So the three things, our greatest treasures, they last forever, they get stored in heaven, and they ultimately belong to him. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful for the fact that, that you are God and you have chosen us, you have accepted us, you have called us into your family. We are so grateful for the way that you work. Help us to understand the importance of recognizing our greatest treasures, to help our hearts and minds focus, focus them the way they should be to the things and the people and you and the things that it should be on. To allow, even as we're at work or throughout the day, that it's not just all about the work. It's also about you. You are the center and the people involved need to find you. Help us to be good testimonies, good witnesses, to be your children, your ambassadors. For Jesus Christ. We praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen.